Welcome to this England Athletics podcast in which we're going to be looking back on the year so far and looking ahead to what should be a really exciting outdoor season. My name's Alex Seftel. Pleased to say that joining me is a panel from England Athletics, including Chief Executive Chris Jones, Chair Gary Shaughnessy and Head of Talent Development Sarah Benson. Chris, let's start with you then. How are you and what have you enjoyed so far this year? Well, it's been a busy period, hasn't it, Alex? Lots of cross-country activity. English schools at uh, Woolerton Park, a fantastic event that that is. We've got the forthcoming road relays in Sutton Park on the 15th of April. Obviously, the indoor season near its conclusion now. Some fantastic performances by English athletes uh, on the international stage, Jazz and Keeley. Obviously, some fine performances at the England Athletics Indoor Championships. Action-packed on the road. I think in the last 12 months, we've licensed something like 3,500 road races across England. It's great to see road racing returning to rude health after the impacts of the pandemic. Of course, you know, there remain challenges in terms of rising costs of uh, closing roads and putting on road races and, of course, hiring indoor venues and cross-country facilities and what have you. But if we stay together and stay strong at all levels of the sport, and be positive and constructive around the opportunities that present themselves to us. There's no reason why the spring, summer and autumn season won't be positive. Of course, we've got Commonwealth Youth Games taking place in Trinidad and Tobago. We'll be taking the team there in early August, as well as our own national championships. English schools, track and field championships uh, return to Birmingham in the stadium one year on from the Commonwealth Games, which is symbolic. So feeling very positive about the future. Gary, what in athletics has been notable for you over the last few months? One of the events that I went to, which I've never been to before, was Sports Hall. Uh, I went to one of the competitions in Norfolk. Just seeing roughly 400 youngsters aged 11 to 15 enjoying the sport was tremendous. You start the winter with your cross-country and the challenges of cold weather, rainy weather, even snow this year. And... The sports hall had challenges as well. We had a power cut in the middle of the event. But what really comes through is is the uh, enjoyment of the youngsters involved. And um, the other linked area that I had the privilege of presenting uh, National Volunteer Awards recently. And that again shows you how clubs across the country are finding ways of making sure that everyone gets involved in, in athletics at the level and in the way that suits them. What came through again and again was the passion of people making athletics and running something of lifelong fun and enjoyment. Sarah, I saw you at the um, England under-15, under-17, under-20 indoors. That was an enjoyable championships as always. What have you enjoyed about this year so far? For us as a talent programme, we've had a number of camps that we've delivered and those have been happening all over the country as well, developing that next generation, but equally trying to support coach development as well, alongside any of the the talent camps that we offer, the personal coaches or the club coaches of the athletes that are selected onto the programme are always invited along to try and develop their own knowledge around progressing athletes through the pathway. Um, And so we deliver a series of regional workshops, um, technical workshops for coaches. We've actually got our um, international jumps and throws conference hosted in Loughborough. You know, some world class speakers coming over to the UK and delivering to, you know, up and coming coaches, existing coaches who've been supporting athletes for a long time in, in those event groups. So very, very busy. Um, I don't think we've had a weekend off, actually. 
a number of international teams going out to indoors across uh, Reykjavik, Tallinn, a number of uh, cross-country teams travelling internationally for England and working closely with the English Cross-Country Association and, of course, road too. So um, I think one of the, the biggest performances we saw on the road in the last couple of months was Sam Harrison, who's moved into fourth, I think, all time in the 10K rankings, which is really exciting. And those opportunities that we provide for for athletes at all stages of the pathway are really, really valuable and give them those experiences they need to progress through and prepare them for international competition. Yeah, I think it was particularly exciting to see Jasmine Sawyers and, and Keely Hodgkinson win gold, but then reflect how they've come through the system Jasmine Sawyers went to the Commonwealth Youth Games and won gold there. Think about Keely Hodgkinson, only as recently as 2018, was winning an England under-20 title. And I'm sure, Sarah, there'll be young athletes who'll look up to them and think, you know, if I stay in the sport, these are things that I could potentially achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And role models are so important. That's what we're trying to build around the talent programme is that we're exposing the next generation to athletes above them but equally the coaching expertise as well and into environments that are are going to help them progress and learn the skills that they need to come through you know we're working with our competition providers really closely to give them the athlete experience and the competition experience that you know right from where it works through the fixtures calendar to to what's the actual experience on the day so that they progress and they develop the skills so that they can perform ultimately one day at our major championships. Just building on what Sarah said there, Alex, the role of England athletics in competition is really important. Obviously, as an organisation of our size, 70 individuals employed by the organisation supporting a sport that is 168,000 strong in terms of the number of registered club athletes and runners in 1,700 clubs and member bodies. We can deliver some competitions ourselves at a national level but ultimately our ability then to work in partnership with and through other organizations established and new competition providers to ensure that they're providing the athletes with relevant competition to help their development and of course making sure that the calendar during the spring summer months into the autumn and winter is coordinated as much as possible to make the most and best use of officials and facilities is vitally important as well so continuing to support county associations in May, as we have done for a number of years, and also the area competition providers. You know, upwards of a million pounds that's gone into area-level competition uh, over the last decade or so. And then, of course, supporting providers like the National Athletics League, the Youth Development League, the YDL, that provides important club-level team competition. English schools uh, will be funding them again this year to the tune of £100,000 towards their competition programme, as we have done each year for over a decade. And it's fundamentally important competition that must continue as we get more youngsters enjoying our sport at school level and then hopefully feeding into club activity and onto senior success. It's making sure we've got strong foundations in place through to senior level so that we're giving as many athletes the best opportunity and their coaches of developing their skills and really realising their full potential into their adulthood. And we know it's a late development sport. We know that we shouldn't make too many rash decisions and investments too early on that journey but I think from the ages of 16 upwards it's about shoring up that pathway across all the events so that we're getting consistency wherever possible and we're being then competitive at um, sub-national national and international level across the age groups and across the the events. 
Sarah, as a, as a former athlete yourself, what is it we think the essentials that athletes want from a great competition and what can be done to try and you know improve that overall experience um it's a good question and i think it differs depending on the the age and stage of the athlete very much i know through the information that we've collected both from our our events ourselves feedback from the events that we've been running but equally through consultation with a number of partners through focus groups with with athletes and and really just understanding what athletes want exactly i think what we're seeing is that certainly at the lower end of the pathway it's more localized it's definitely kind of reducing the travel time it's cost efficient i suppose for for people we're not necessarily seeing clubs using the team bus anymore for a long day out um there's a lot more reliance on parents to get athletes to competition but then as we move up through the pathway, it's, it's ensuring that the competition is competitive, I think, for for athletes who have the intention of, of sort of gaining selection for teams um, and progressing on to being elite senior athletes. Gary, given what's been said, how would you assess the priorities for England athletics and the sport as a whole this year? We've got some short-term challenges and we've got some long-term challenges and opportunities. I mean, short-term the amount of competition, we're spread pretty thin. We're seeing that in terms of the quality and quantity of, of officials and coaches to support competition that we've got on already. And we've got to make sure we increase the availability of courses, bring people through and keep people you know, in the sport as officials and coaches. We've seen the numbers in the 15 to 17 year age group continue to, to drop. We've got to make sure that we entertain and we make people want to be involved in the sport when they've got plenty of other options and opportunities. The long-term challenges for us, though, are how do we make this sport, which is a great sport, how do we make it really sustainable? Quality of facilities, and that has to be a long-term solution that we we also engage with government and, and demonstrate that sport and athletics and running can bring together various disparate communities that we've got with schools, with uh, counties, with regional councils, different leagues and with England Athletics and UK Athletics. We can take that complex web of organisations and make it much simpler and much more focused on the runners and the volunteers that need our help and support to make sure this is a sustainable and durable sport that succeeds. An opportunity here to mention track, Mark, because from time to time, we'll see campaigns or people calling for, we need an upgrade to our facility, or we need investment and help in order to either save our track, improve our track, because it's a vital service to the local area. Then you see the good news stories about this has been awarded a grant, or this has been recognised, and therefore the track is brand new and has been uh, rejuvenated for use by the local area. So just tell us a bit about Trackmark and how it's one area, of course, that you can eventually help competition by improving facilities. I think all of us have been pleasantly surprised by the level of investment into track refurbishments or, in fact, new facilities that have sprung up across the country since the pandemic. We thought post-pandemic there were going to be some some real difficulties. But thankfully, I think through mechanisms such as Trackmark, 
work that clubs have done locally together with the club support staff at England Athletics and Ed Hunt, who does a fine job as our facilities and planning manager, we've been able to stack up the case for, you know, local authorities, schools, colleges, universities to continue to invest in these facilities. They realise the important role that athletics and running can play towards the mental and physical health of participants, uh, whatever their aspirations may be and whatever their ages are, you know, but the work doesn't stop there. We don't know how the cost of living issue and uh, rising costs of lighting heating etc is going to continue to bite certainly something for all of us to watch i mean ultimately we want to try and prevent athletes from going over to the european circuit if what they can have kind of on their doorstep provides that quality competition equally providing them with qualification opportunities or opportunity to progress their PB. What we have seen over probably the last 10 years or so is an increase in athletes who are choosing to travel to Europe because they're finding better competition. But there is a group of athletes that are maybe sub-elite that don't need to be doing that, that they can stay in the UK and not have the cost of travelling overseas as well. So something like Night of the 10K we know is really, really popular and we know is well fed back around the athlete experience the spectators the kind of the music the the prizes all all of that kind of stuff and how does that modernize um what we're trying to do with with some of our competition providers i do think part of the challenge with competition is not necessarily what to do i think we know what the issues are as sarah's described around travel around the time that people have available to them to compete or officiate or volunteer I think the solutions aren't that difficult to come by in terms of what to do. You shorten your competition. You provide a great experience for those who are involved. You know, athletes are at the heart of the experience. We're embracing technology, instant results, all that stuff. So it's having that courage of conviction, if you like, if you're England Athletics in terms of our events, but also at all levels of the sport, people taking that that leap of faith, if you like. And, and many are doing that already to change and adapt and evolve. You know, Nicola Schedule organised an excellent national competition conference in early December last year. We'll be looking to repeat that during 2023 as we look to get more competitions sharing their experiences, sharing their innovations, sharing their successes and sharing their failures as well, because you can learn as much from failing, I think, trying something and maybe it not working as well as you wanted. You know, if we just keep internalising and reminiscing about what things were like 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, well, we'll never go forward. And I think that's a shared responsibility. Equally, this is not unique to athletics. There are a lot of sports who are struggling with a volunteer workforce. They are struggling with competition formats, either localised or national, and, and what direction they want to go in. So, you know, my role, I am talking to a lot of other sports to be able to get an understanding our, our funding partners through Sport England. We work really closely with organisations like TAS, Backing the Best, Sports Aid, people like that who have sight of all of this. You know, if we don't change and we don't modernise and we don't offer the next generation of athletes coming through a great experience and we don't offer a volunteer workforce flexible, adaptable ways in which they can stay involved, we are going to lose athletes to other sports. They will make choices through, you know, sports that give them that and um, that they're looking for. We need to recognise where things aren't working and we need to support each other to try and test some new ways of doing things. And that includes England athletics. The rate at which athletes are registering with England athletics through their clubs is is growing, but it's slowed up. 
the number of road races that is returning, they have grown, but they're slower than we thought they would have done. The number of people running on the roads, taking part in cross-country, multi-terrain is growing, and that's positive. The number of coaches, number of officials in our sport is flatlining. But as Sarah has said, they are not challenges specifically unique to athletics and running, but we have a responsibility, all of us, to try and work out how we ensure our sport is accessible across all those domains. One of the things that's really struck me in the 15 or 16 months since I became chair of England Athletics is we've got a, in some ways, a really simple sport, you know, difficult to excel in, but in some ways such a complex sport. And there are so many different groups and perspectives, whether it be from schools, the league setups we've got, regions, the county setup. And that complexity means that there's lots of really well-held and positive views, but we can, as a result of that, not be clear about what are the things that are most important that we've got to do and that we all get behind. And I think best we really pull together and everyone has a clear view and tries to make sure that people have a lifetime of enjoyment, physical fitness, mental fitness, and that the exceptional can compete at the highest level and the, the average and people like me and you can enjoy the sport to its fullest extent. And I just think we've got to make sure we find ways of pulling together rather than pulling apart. I want to move on to talk about coaching and officiating. What do we think the challenges are in terms of recruitment, retention and development of coaches and officials? Well, I think there's a general issue across society now, isn't there? People live busy lives. I think as a governing body, we've got a responsibility to make sure that our education programmes for coaches, for leaders, for officials are accessible and provided on a flexible basis. So that might be face-to-face delivery, it might be digital online delivery, but also supporting someone to undertake their learning in their own time, if you like, at their own pace. But ultimately, we need to make sure that we're not alienating people by putting up barriers putting in place bureaucracy and removing that wherever it exists. And I think whilst England Athletics and, of course, our colleagues in Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland deliver the coaching and officiating qualifications, their UKA qualifications, UKA licences that are issued to coaches and officials, we deliver the courses, we train the tutors and deploy the tutors. But during 2023, there will be a shift in role and responsibility with more accountability for the UKA part of responsibility, if you like, coming to the home countries. And from October onwards, the home countries will take a a more leading role in the licensing of coaches and officials. And more of that information will come out during the summer months as we communicate with coaches and officials. But again, it comes back to ensuring that the roles and responsibilities reside with the best placed organisation. England Athletics is the membership organisation focused on the domestic sport. We feel that that responsibility should, wherever possible, sit with the home countries. Let's just go through what England Athletics does to, first of all, identify young talent and then make sure it's supported. We're in quite a measurable sport. So performances do give us an indication of talent coming through the pathway. We know it's not the full picture as well, particularly in the younger age groups. So we're working through our talent programmes to understand What's behind those performances that we're seeing at 15, 16 years old? Is that a new athlete who's come into the sport, who's 
you know, only been around for a year, or is it an athlete that's actually been taking part in the sport for five or six years is training several times a week. So we're gathering a lot of information from athletes through that. We're working really closely with their parents as well and delivering um, parents workshops to help them in turn support athletes through the pathway. We don't have that much contact time with the athletes. So the, the time we do have to be able to influence them or influence their coaches and their club coaches and their parents, it has to be really, really impactful. And we have to give them ideas to take back to the club environment because that is, and I've said it before to you, Alex, that's, that is the heart of the sport is the club and the coaches and what they're doing. So what we do as a talent programme is complements that. We try to, I guess, nurture it through the athlete and the coach pair or the club that they're in and see how it progresses. So we bring athletes in, we work with them over a two, three year period. You know, we don't deselect a year on just because they haven't got a PB, particularly at the age group level. PB is not the whole story and it's not linear as well because there are a million other factors that are going on through through maturation. You know, even just a jump in an age group is significant for an athlete, particularly from that sort of under 17 to under 20, first year under 20 is, is a hard time to get through for a lot of athletes. And that's where we want to kind of support and encourage them. Everything we do is about that holistic development of the person So we are trying to teach life skills. We are trying to teach about looking after themselves. They may well not be the next Keely Hodgkinson that comes through, but they could well be the next coach, the next official, or indeed they may have children that they want to kind of bring through athletics and they have to have a positive experience. We do try and encourage people to come out of their comfort zone. So whether it's from a cooking lesson that they might not have done or whether it's traveling overnight for the first time ever, it's all about sort of developing the wider individual and then supporting the, the coach that they take those skills back into the club. Absolutely. And a lot of this has to thank that children get an initial introduction to athletics within their schools, isn't it? So it's about making use of that. It is. And I think, you know, the school's connection has always been a challenge because it's not directly connected to club athletics They've got, again, schools program is is, is a slightly different pathway. We do have those connections. And I think what we're trying to do, particularly through youth talent program, which comes with an academic qualification, is see the benefits in ensuring that particularly the athletes that are on those programs are continuing their studies. We manage the program around busy exam periods when we know that actually the academic work has to be higher priority. Obviously, we mentioned our partners at English schools uh, who are providing competitions for those talented young people coming through the schools. But ultimately, it's important that we get more schools and a greater breadth and depth of student at uh, primary school and secondary school age enjoying the fundamentals of athletics and run, jump, throw, not just because it's good for sports sake, but because of everything that it promotes around discipline, life skills, mental, physical health. And so phonetics are four to 11 year old program aimed at schools is important in that context, as is short format competition. We're inaugural members of the National School Games program and athletics alongside sports like football is right up there in terms of popularity. I think the key for us is making sure that that experience of competition in our sport 
which could be infrequent, should we say, becomes frequent. School club links are fundamentally important there at a local level to ensure that qualified coaches and coaching assistants uh, are working with teachers in schools to ensure that, you know, curricular delivery of athletics is improved, but then obviously post-curricular delivery is improved and, and exit routes then from schools into clubs are, are in place. And many of our clubs do a wonderful job in that respect. Um, but the tools are there. You know, we work with London Marathon and uh, through the Daily Mile venture, through Mini Marathon, and other initiatives to try and get more children running, jumping, throwing and enjoying our sport. We're really excited by the New England Athletics PB Awards that we've launched that could be applied in the in the school and the club setting so that youngsters can get uh, competitive with their peers around their performance improvement in the different disciplines of athletics. And of course, there's a reward system aligned to that as well. And it's about bettering yourself as well and personal improvement, not just comparing yourself with others. And uh, when they were launched recently by Scott Grace and the team at the Indoor Championships, we were encouraged by the interest in the PB Awards. And of course, we must thank our partners at the uh, Amateur Athletic Association because these awards are built on the three A's grading uh, system that they've had in place for a number of years. Yeah, absolutely. It was really good to see parents coming up and not just getting a certificate for that competition, but getting four or five based on the PBs achieved over the last year or so. We've mentioned the various team selection opportunities that are involved to go away with England. Can you just tell us a little bit about how people can achieve selection for teams like that? Because it provides a wonderful opportunity for sometimes athletes that are just below kind of UKA major like World Athletics Championship selection, though indeed they could develop to that point as well. We are trying to provide um, international representation opportunities from that under 18 experience with something like a Commonwealth Youth Games to smaller trips where we take senior athletes as well to various uh, competitions around Europe and around the UK to give them that experience of competing at elite international um, level so that when they do get that GB call up into a European or a world or a, an Olympic or Paralympic team, they've had some experience travelling with a team through their home nation. And we're really trying to bridge the gap and get to know people through the pathway, get to know some of our staff, team coaches, help coaches understand what their pathway could be if they're keen to support senior athletes in a team environment. The skills that are required that are very different from being a coach in a club, the programs and the development opportunities that we offer coaches alongside the athletes too. Well, on this, in the last year, we've launched two more of England Athletics talent hubs. Sarah, just explain a little bit more about what the talent hubs are, where they are and what they do. Um, so the Talent Hubs are a project that was started around three years ago and we worked in collaboration with a number of partners, um, including UKA, including London Marathon, TAS as well, who um, provides some support services to developing athletes. The projects allowed the creation of these talent environments in Leeds and in Birmingham in partnership with the University of Birmingham and Leeds Beckett University. And essentially what the talent hubs do is they provide a training environment for England athletes to access either coaching through um, the university 
or or to come in and just access support sciences, physiological testing, access to the gym, physiotherapy. So it's trying to create a model where we've got more regionalized support. And we've seen great success with the talent hubs as well over the last couple of years, too, with a number of those athletes who are based in Leeds and Birmingham, making British teams, performing at the Europeans, at the Worlds last year as well. And in autumn last year, we formed partnerships with St Mary's University and Loughborough University to extend the Talent Hub project for English athletes who are not on the world-class programme. It's a really great model that we're looking to extend uh, over the coming years to support English athletes. This connects to what we're talking about, about supporting athletes, but it's a really important one around looking after them and safeguarding. So just explain what the procedures are around safeguarding, explaining the athletics role in this. Everything falls away unless you can keep people safe in the sport. It's the number one requisite we've got as the governing body, in my view. The Christopher Quinlan-led review of 2020, it was commissioned at the back end of 2019. The report came out in July 2020. England Athletics was at the forefront of commissioning that review. Uh, it's led to reforms in safeguarding. In the sport, UK Athletics have affirmed their position as a lead safeguarding body. So they deal with safeguarding cases in our sport UK-wide. And the home countries, England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, lead on mitigation, education, training, the non-safeguarding disciplinary complaints and grievances that we receive. But a lot of our work as a home country is working with clubs to ensure that they've got the right policies, procedures, the right personnel in place as uh, welfare officers in the club through the provision of education and training to make sure that, you know, issues are not issues and they're dealt with effectively before they're allowed to fester and grow further. So there's a lot of work involved. It's a journey. It's going to take time really before policies, procedures and good practice is implemented whole scale across the sports. Important work, as I say, it's arguably the most important thing that we that we do. This next point also connects to supporting athletes. It's a topic that's been spoken a lot about recently. England Athletics came out in support of UK Athletics' stance on transgender athletes to do with protecting the female category. Just explain the work that's gone into this in in England Athletics' position. Yeah, I mean, alongside our home country partners, we work very closely with UK Athletics, who, of course, are the gatekeepers of the UK rules of competition and are the world athletics recognized governing bodies so it is important that we are aligned as five bodies particularly when you think that transgender policy will impact particularly through competition delivery and we compete under uk rules it's a hugely sensitive topic that polarizes opinion ultimately it's a balance between fairness and inclusion england athletics are very clear that when it comes to competition fairness comes on top Essentially, we supported the UK statement around protection of the female categorisation and creation of an open category. But it's ultimately UK athletics that will make the decision on policy implementation. There is currently, of course, a policy that exists. And uh, we've had to deal with a number of cases this year as England athletics sensitively, hopefully with empathy. And I think this is a topic that requires empathy. Whatever personal views people have, we are talking about human beings and we're talking about a very sensitive topic. Thankfully, we've seen a large proportion of people behave in that way. 
And I think that's fundamentally important. Now, one thing I want to talk about is the UKA Members Forum. And I gather there's been some change in the way it works. So if you could just explain all of that. So the UK Members Forum effectively is a mechanism for the members of UK athletics, if you like, to contribute to the the direction that UK athletics is moving and also act as a sounding board and critique for what UK athletics is doing, you know, holding them to account, but also giving them an insight into the athletics world from different perspectives and make sure that we're we're focused on the things that matter to, to the clubs, to the athletes, to the officials, to the coaches across the UK. Certainly I felt when I first went and joined on to the UK Members Forum, it wasn't a very constructive meeting, if I'm honest. Lots of different views, lots of different voices, but not necessarily anything that concluded and, and created a sense of actually purpose and what are we trying to achieve. I think what we're trying to do is, is have a much more open approach and really engage the individual country groups and the clubs in a, in a, in a more open way to make sure that the voices of clubs are heard and to make sure the voices of coaches and officials in, in England and, and roadrunners as well as track and field. What we've done is say, let's make sure that we can air the views of what are the key issues that we want to together debate and bring to UK athletics attention and and how can we, rather than there be 27 different views and 27 different subjects we want to talk about, how can we make sure we focus on the most important things and give UK athletics really clear, focused direction on what we think matters? And I think that increases the voice of the clubs by us bringing that together uh, and it increases the voice of, of the coaches, etc. But the individuals are still there at the meeting, but it, it just means we're better prepared. Thanks, Gary. Now, before we go, I know that you're no stranger to a sporting challenge yourself. I believe you're about to embark on a swim. Well, this weekend I'm doing a four-kilometre swim between uh, two islands in the Caribbean, um, St Kitts and Nevis. Um, I'm not really a good swimmer, so I'm hoping that um, uh, the tide will be with me. And then I've got um, three marathons in April and then a, a bike ride from Liverpool to Ukraine in May and one from Brighton to Barcelona in June. So I've got my set of challenges for Parkinson's UK and for a Ukraine um, mental health charity coming up over the next few months. But uh, I'm nowhere near the the level of competition that uh, I see around the country and in the athletics world, but but, um, I certainly enjoy the competition nonetheless. That's brilliant. Well, some great causes there. Best of luck. And that rounds off this podcast. So thanks very much for joining me and hopefully see you all soon. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. All the best.